Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I'm the creator of the show Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake because none of us have time to exercise and work out. And me, I'm probably shaking a little bit more than I wish I were. This is going to be a community-hosted podcast, not by me, but by a collection of women all over the country who are going to share their stories, struggles, and solutions, some with their own guests on their episodes, some without. Each one will be a wonderful sampler of a story that you can relate to or that might help you. And I hope that you all enjoy it. Moms don't have time to move and shake. Get moving. Hi, I'm Heather Cabot. And I'm Sharon Diesenhouse. And we are the co-hosts of this edition of Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake, a new podcast created by our friend Zibby Owens. We're both delighted to be working together and be speaking to you about our journeys as moms and as women who are trying to feel better in our bodies. I am a longtime journalist, a former network news correspondent at turned nonfiction author. I'm also a mom of teen twins. I grew up in a family of athletes and have spent my life trying to overcome uh, some of that, uh, some of that perfectionism and focus on, on my body and chronic overexercising. And so I'm here joining with Sharon to try to work out some of those issues and, <laughs> uh, and get some support and hopefully talk to some experts to get some great advice. And, uh, you know, talk about perfectionism. Heather has certainly gotten very close to being perfect. We met, let's tell our story first. We met how many years ago? I don't even want to say when you were a wee lass of a, uh, a news assistant and just an absolute standout shining star. And I was working as an anchor and a reporter at a 24-hour news channel. Yes, Sharon was my mentor, and we reconnected actually through Zibby just recently, and it's been really wonderful. I was always a huge fan of Sharon's, and I just feel so lucky that we're getting a chance to team up on this project together. Sharon, why don't you tell a little bit about your background? Great. So we worked in TV, both of us, for many years, and you know we've talked about this a lot. Being a, a woman, a young woman, selected to be on TV, even if it's for news, the messaging can be complicated. It's made clear to you in ways both subtle and overt that you've been selected, at least in part, because of the way you look. And that feels good on some level, but it also makes you determined to be taken seriously for the way you think. Also, underneath it all, if you're being honest with yourself, it makes you suspect that your job is at least in part dependent on looking a certain way, looking that way. So mm -hmm. when the inevitable happens and time passes and perhaps babies arrive, <laughs> it could do a real number on you and even on your job prospects. So we need to change this attitude toward women in the workplace and women on TV. But in the meantime, we women of a certain age need to be creative to have an impact. And that's where this comes in. So this is where I got the idea for wanting to do this. When I worked in TV, I anchored the news on the 24-hour news channel in New York on 9-11. And then in the aftermath of that devastating day for several months, I hosted a live call-in show for New Yorkers who were just flattened by all the loss and fear and sorrow. To this day, viewers still tell me that it was really therapeutic for them to find a community in the wake of loss like that, among others who were struggling also to find their feet and look for a way to move forward. And this project was incredibly meaningful to me. So now with millions of people affected by death, fear, illness, et cetera, attendant to COVID, and yes, bummed by significant weight gains, 
I have anyway, and lack of exercise, I do see a parallel opportunity. So I'm hoping that here we can create a community of people and moms who don't have time to move and shake, moving and shaking. And maybe we've lost a little bit of steam or some mojo during COVID and we're looking for a path forward, energetic, to feel well, to feel good about ourselves, do it together, cheer each other on as we learn to try different strategies to feel great. Absolutely. I think having that support is so key. And also, given our journalism backgrounds, we certainly gravitate to turning to experts for advice as well. So on the show, we'll be sharing um, our personal experiences, but also we'll have the benefit of turning to professionals. And today, actually, we have a licensed clinical social worker uh, based in Westchester, just at New York, just outside New York City, named Rena Bloom. Uh, Rena specializes in body image issues, um, as well as eating disorders. And we are delighted to welcome Rena to the show today to help us navigate some of these questions that we have, starting with this idea of what is the secret sauce when you lose that motivation, you want to get back to maybe where you were before the pandemic or before babies, and you're trying to figure out how to, how to get started. So we're going to turn to Rena now. I remember losing all this weight on Weight Watchers and not even thinking it was that hard or that I was that deprived. And now I'm trying to kind of get started again. And I, and I just, I cannot remember, I can't put myself into that mindset where I, it was no big deal. Like, I don't know how to sort of get into those cogs. So how do you, what's the secret sauce? Okay. So that's a tricky one because the secret sauce is not always the same for everyone, but I'll, I'll share a few ideas and thoughts I have around how do we approach sort of the, the diet culture and food in general in a healthy way? So the number one thing I'll say is I am super anti-dieting. I think dieting is our enemy. I think that is a setup for failure. And I will say that, I mean, I think it's 99% of, di- of, di- of diets fail, I think is the, is the research on it, and that people tend to gain more weight back than what they originally started. So I am very anti-diet. And sort of the idea behind dieting is obviously deprivation, which is what leads to overeating. So while I actually am, when I have someone who's really dead set on doing some sort of diet, I do recommend Weight Watchers simply because it's a model based around not depriving oneself. They're obviously you're limiting yourself with quantity and you know calories and all of that, but you're sort of you have permission to eat what you want. So that that's that's my number one thing is let's figure out a way to, to remove deprivation. And let's also be creative about how to have the things that we really enjoy in life. Like for me, it's chocolate, you know, like, but not have it. In croissants, in case right. And, and be like sort of thoughtful <laughs> about like, well, how, well, when, like making sure I can have a piece of cake at a birthday party and not even think about it, but not sitting down to cake every single night or three times a day. Right. So, so one is about, I think, finding foods that work for you specifically that you enjoy, that you have to not eat foods that you are eating because they're low calorie. You have to eat foods that that you actually want to eat and that you're going to enjoy. Heather, how do you get started? Well, I was going to say, well, I I agree with everything you're saying, Rena. And I've, I was telling Sharon that I did experiment with a, a therapist who focused on intuitive eating Um, Mm -hmm. last year. And I started reading a lot about intuitive eating and I did this intuitive eating 
workbook. And even though for me personally, I I do find that tracking what I'm eating and I am a Weight Watchers fan. And by the way, this is not an endorsement of Weight Watchers. Yeah. We should tell our audience that, but okay. you know, it is a very popular program. If you're going to um, try, you should speak to a medical professional. Right. Yes. But I think for me, what it, it helps me sort of feel a little bit in, in control. And I do find that when I, when I do track that it helps me main, maintain. I mean, I, I definitely, you know, have my own goals of, you know, being back to whatever, you know, I think like everybody else, you know, the pandemic and, you know, got me maybe a little bit above where I want to be. But, but I, for me, I, I, this whole idea of restriction, which is something that I've experimented with as well, it always backfires. It, for me constantly. And, and so I, you know, so I have experienced that myself where I'll be very, you know, focused on, on, on restricting for, you know, I could go for however long, but then as soon as I go off that regimen, it all comes back as opposed to being on a, a Weight Watchers type of a plan where I'm just, I'm just more conscious, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and I don't really, I eat the foods that I, that I like eating. I, I tend to, I personally tend to gravitate to more whole foods anyway. Like I just, I, I that's just the way I've been eating for a long time. I, yeah. I definitely eat more vegetarian or whatever. Like I like, and I, I, and I like to eat sustainably, you know, so I, I feel very lucky that I can do that. But I think for me personally, I, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying and giving myself permission and not Sharon and I talked about this, not assigning a moral judgment to food. Mm-hmm. The idea behind that is that food shouldn't be bad or good, right? Like no food should be good and no food should be bad. Food is food. And it is about moderation. And again, not being judgmental of yourself, which I would also say is part of my of what I would consider my secret sauce of you need to have some self-compassion. And that is actually, it, it, it's kind of sounds very cliche, but it's actually something that you have to really work on Yeah, because so, so many, particularly women, I find have like really strong negative voices in their heads, like criticizing themselves probably more than any of their friends criticize them or anyone in their lives criticize them. But there's so much internal judgment. Like we've and, internalized the patriarchy. <laughs> yes, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I think different different reasons for different people, but really practicing that self-compassion, sort of identifying what feelings you're having, recognizing them, letting them be, like not fighting against them, but also trying to have some perspective. For example, like we, we all just have coming out of this pandemic, like it's been really, really hard and stressful. And also we've been home a lot. Like we, for a long period of time, we've all been home. And when you're home and you're in, let's be honest, we're all in our kitchens most of the time. Like you're just prone to eat a little bit more. Like that's just normal. It's human. That's something to be judgmental about. That's something to have compassion. Like we've survived this. And we should be proud of that. I love that. And I I think it's something that probably, I don't know, I can speak for myself. I need to be reminded of that to help have self-compassion. And I'm sure people listening as well, because it is, it is, we, we do judge ourselves so harshly, you know, worse than anybody else. And, you know, you're talking about internalizing messages. Heather grew up in this family of very fit, thin disciplined people who prize the discipline. I am the daughter of, of a woman who's now very thin, but was obese in my childhood and mm-hmm. never mentioned it. It was like the the literal elephant in the room, you know? And so, I mean, it, it does 
a lot to mess up your view of what a an ascendant young woman is. When you see that, you know that that's like not approved of. And there's this voice that, you know, you often, like Heather was saying, that that it's a matter of discipline or not. And then, you know, you just think, is that going to be me? Am I going to Am I going to be like that and receive disdain like that? Or, you know, those kinds of things. It's very difficult to craft a self-image in that kind of void of modeling and acknowledging, you know, people don't talk about it. I'll never forget. I was at a, a, a wedding or something like that. And I was sitting next to some friends and one of them pointed and said, oh my God, look at that woman's arms. And it was my mom. Oh, Sharon. It was awful. I'm so sorry. So I just sort of lived in fear of being that woman with that arm, those arms, you know? So I think that is one of the reasons that I have that really, you know, I do default to the lack of discipline thing and, and in myself too. Yeah. I think, I think for so many people listening, I think that, that this diet culture, you know, really it's insidious and the way we judge people, the way we judge ourselves, social media just is toxic and just makes it even worse. We're constantly comparing ourselves to every, to everyone else. And I think, you know, the bias, the weight bias that exists in our society is, it's only been amplified, you know, in this age of social media where we just, everybody is, is, is sort of being pressured to, be thinner and thinner and fitter and fitter and everything else. And so trying to, trying to figure out where, how you interpret that for your, for yourself in, in, in a healthy way is it's really hard. I guess it's just a last question just to, to wrap up. I mean, what Rita, do you have any advice, you know, for women out there who are, are dealing with, these with that stuff <laughs> to have any advice? I have so much advice um, <laughs> on this topic because you know, it is so heartbreaking. And I, you know, that story, Sharon, that you told, you know, it breaks my heart, both for you, for your mother, and honestly, even for the woman who made that comment, because what kind of person says that someone who's, who is carrying their own biases and their own judgments and their own fears about weight, so much so that they're not monitoring what they're saying aloud. And I think that, you know, we can't sort of escape it, but we need to work hard to reinterpret the messages that we're getting, you know, from from both social media, from society, and even sometimes from our own parents. And and really because we're the next voices of of what we, you know, what's acceptable. And we need to make sure that we're that we're putting out the right messages to to the future generations. Yeah. And, and the last thing I want to say it, that we didn't touch upon, at, you know, but we're talking sort of about mom age women, <laughs> is that bodies naturally change, and I think that that's also something that's not really talked about enough in the media, which is that we're supposed to maintain our bodies before we've had children, and when we were like. 16 and 17 in our prime, um, you know, and, and that's just not reality. I remember nutritionists that I worked with back at the Renfrew Center in the city. I didn't know this at the time, but she said that I think it's like once you hit like 30 or 35, like your body actually naturally supposed to gain about five pounds a year. I didn't know that, but it kind of makes sense, right? Like we're, our bodies are aging. And I guess so I'm an overachiever. Of- 
<laughs> you know, really sort of accepting our new bodies and, you know, celebrating all the amazing things that they, that they do for us day in and day out. It's really a change of mindset. It's about thinking about like, what is your goal? What are you trying to achieve? And really looking at what is the function of this focus on food? Like, how is that functioning in my life? And why is it functioning in this way? And am I trying to divert from other things that I actually need to be addressing? I love that. Well, thank you so much. I mean, this, we could really go on and on, honestly. This is, there's just, there's, there's I have so about three dozen more questions for you. <laughs> Seriously. And hopefully you'll, you'll come back. Cause I think, I think, you know, putting, putting all of this in perspective is, is really important, especially your last point about aging. So Rena Bloom, thank you so much for joining us on yeah. Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake, a podcast created by Zivi Owens. And I'm Heather Cavett with Sharon Diesenhaus. We'll talk with you next time. Feel good, everybody. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Get moving.